Welcome to the Language for Leading podcast with the founder and CEO of the Business of Leading Incorporated, Julian Sturton. Since the early 1990s, Julian has equipped leaders from across the globe with an operating system and real-world set of tools that have improved relationships on all levels, and the work has meant real success in business and life for so many. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich, and as Julian Sturton often says, conversations are our means to get things done. Conversations inspire actions and form agreements. Until there's conversation, nothing happens. You've got the Language for Leading podcast, and we're about to make things happen. I'm delighted to sit down with you in a studio to capture some of the essence of Julian Sturton, but I think it might be fun to start with a little background, personal background, because your story influences the language for leadership, doesn't it? It does. Uh, At a very early age, as far back as I can remember, although I think I can remember certain incidents even before the age of two, it was around about the age of two when the shock hit me. And if I may use profanity, the shit hit the fan. Uh, my father was taken away to jail. Mm. And that's not supposed to have the the, 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 the withholding. No, that's, that's, a, that's a rarity, I would say. I still wrestle with trying to package it because I always think that people have got to hear something that's going to enable them to overcome difficult situations. Well, mm. I overcame some very difficult situations because as soon as – I was experienced. I remember standing in my front window in my hometown in Peterborough, England, watching the police car arrive for my dad and take him away. And it sticks with me. Mm. And I would invite anybody who wants to think of an incident that sticks with them for their whole lives. So the circumstances surrounding that experience steadily got worse and worse and worse and worse. My mother couldn't tolerate and she was very tolerable circumstances because then we grew up in a very, very snobbish English kind of a family environment, right? We were always trying to prove ourselves to the other families. We were part of a sort of a clique, the dynasty in my hometown. There was a Sturton family. There was the Cricks, the Cooks and the Baxes, all pretty wealthy. Mm. But when the experience of watching my dad being taken away to jail for embezzlement because he didn't quite know how to handle my mother when she showed up on the radar screen. She's a, she was a very, very, very strong-willed lady. She always figured out how to get what she wanted. But when she obviously met my dad, she didn't prepare for what was about to happen. Why I'm mentioning this is because the circumstances got very, very, very bad. They got worse and worse and worse as time went on. And so... Uh, It brings me fast forward to a condition that I think is very, very apropos to human beings. When we're in difficult situations, it could be be something going wrong with our body. We could be ill. We could be sick. We could have financial difficulties. We we become somewhat uncertain about what is going to happen next, and we're experiencing that right now. Mm. What I've discovered and put to work is a model that is based upon how we naturally make adjustments to when situations get beyond our control. Now, it could be something to do with our country, even. It doesn't have to be restricted to our own particular personal circumstances. So what seems to have happened is what people would be somewhat somewhat familiar with, which is a coping mechanism. Mm. In other words, by nature, anytime somebody has something going wrong, either physiologically, even emotionally, or 
to do with the circumstances surrounding. They could be in difficult situations. It seems as though there's a natural maneuver in which we can actually take advantage of our inert ability to make amends. Mm. Built into our body is a natural way of which we don't necessarily have to take drugs and pills and go and see. But but sadly, not everyone realizes that. Not, not everyone takes exactly. that road. Eh? Exactly. That so? so I built a business model to show exactly how people can actually take advantage of this coping mechanism where having to get. And, and it applies, Julian, to as you say, more than just business. It applies to, to nations. It applies to Absolutely. relationship, to to mother and father and children and, and, and everything that you do. It applies to everything. Take for, I'll give you two examples. Sure. Because I've studied history. I've studied geography. Because of my upbringing, there wasn't much else to learn other than what was going on way beyond my own territory. So I wasn't really very good at traditional academic classroom conditions. The two things I was very, very good at at school because of the frightening condition I was personally experiencing, the two things I became very, very good at doing. One was sports and the other was geography. Would you consider those coping mechanisms? Yes, very much so. Because I was unwilling, my physiological condition was unwilling to have me uh, tolerate or put up with what was called bullying. So my natural coping mechanism was rising to the occasion physically and be good at a particular physical arrangement, which mm-hmm. ended up being good at sports. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was captain athletics at a very difficult school that I went to. Geography was, in my own mind, a useful way of figuring out where I was going to go to get myself away from the geophysical circumstances that were compounding me. So it made sense that these were part of my coping mechanism. You said you had some examples. I didn't mean to cut you off. Share with us, please. Yeah, take, for example, the British Empire. Think how many times Britain had been invaded by the Saxons, the Vikings, the Romans, the Normans. We must have got sick and tired of it. It's tiny little (laughs) island. So we must have said, well, let's get our own back. So guess what we did? We created what was now renowned as a British Empire. And who knows, it wasn't in the book of rules when the barbarians were figuring out in this little tiny island of nations, well, let's build an empire. No, it had a lot to do with coping and being sick and tired of being invaded. Of being bullied, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Even the Nazis, I don't know if many people know this, even the Nazis did take over part of Britain. It's known as the Channel Islands. Yeah, there had been a couple of films... uh, of recent vintage that have told uh, some of that story. It's uh, it's the unknown story of I know. the war. Yeah, if you visit Guernsey or Jersey, which are the two main channel lines, right, you'll see right. that the Germans invested gazillions of shekels or whatever you want to call the monetary system. That I'm not sure what the money system marks. Marks, are, I guess, know, at that point. And building underground bunkers, factories to manufacture armaments. You can see those if you visit the Channel Islands today. Another example is Israel. Think of what happened to the Judaic culture. That may be the greatest example of all. I think it's probably the greatest. To cope with what happened and has happened for thousands of years and culminated in the Holocaust, my goodness. 
Exactly. Right. So, so your own story is one of um, overcoming challenge, and many of us try to right. do that in life. But you've built this this business that has now reached people all over the world. What is the mission statement, if there is one? There is one. That is, uh, it's the intention, if I can say this carefully, of the language of leading to become the world's leading business model. If you're going to build a business model, and I've had experience of, of traveling around the world, why not make it global? Mm-hmm. And why not make it simple by the nature of how the actual model itself actually functions so people can actually see it as not something that's exclusive, but they can include themselves in their particular conditions, in their particular business, in their particular livelihoods, being able to use the language of leading, the language for leading, mm. right, so they can actually take advantage of it. Would What we'll be doing in this podcast series is exploring some of the methodology, which is, as you say, very basic, simple, based a lot of it on philosophers, historians, and scientists that you studied. Yes. Tell us about some of the people you admire. Sure. Um, It's based on that I really don't have to protect my own academic credentials because going through the experience, (laughs) I didn't enjoy being at school because I couldn't focus and concentrate what traditionally was meant to be my particular vocation in, in being a youngster, as supposed to be learning academic uh, information. Mm-hmm. I couldn't focus on that because I had so many other distractions. So once I reached the age of 15 years old, uh, nobody quite knew what to do with me in the family because they were uncertain as to whether I was going to be capable of actually taking care of myself or whatever kind of assessment my uncles and aunts and my parents made of me. So they did actually send me to an industrial psychologist on Harley Street in London. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Harley Street. It's actually the, I call it the rodeo drive of medicine. (laughs) I can imagine it. I can picture it. But they did make a very careful three-day assessment based upon the things that I can remember some of the particular questions. Uh, But they made an assessment at the end of this particular uh, set of three-day interviews I had with this industrial psychologist. I was either going to be a lawyer, a journalist, or in the hospitality industry. Well, I wasn't going to be a lawyer. I wasn't seeing myself go to law school. And they may have picked up on that because, in fact, my father's father was running a law firm. And that was the beginning of the Mm. downfall of the Sturton family. Mm -hmm. So maybe the industrial psychologist probably picked up on that. Well, the journalism thing, if I can just interject, you're a very fine writer, so maybe they deduced you might be... Yeah, good at that. But well, I know the answer to the question. I know the answer where you ended up right. at this point. Hospitality. Exactly. What yeah. did you do in that realm? Well, uh, my parents decided that well, I wasn't going to get very much high up on the ladder of hierarchy in hospitality to begin with. So they found me a job working at rock bottom in a hotel that was owned by some friends of my father's, a company called Peyton Hotels, actually. So I worked at a hotel in Peterborough where I grew up, the Bull Hotel, starting at rock bottom. But here's where the coping mechanism, when I look back from where I ended up in hospitality, when I look back in the progress I made, it seemed to be a strong indication that my, my 
pretentious downfall as a youngster with all the trials and tribulations I had to interface and having no academic credentials, of course, this is where the coping mechanism played a commercial industrial responsibility in my upbringing in commerce and industry. Mm -hmm. So I became very, very good at what I did. And I worked at every particular condition and occupation that you can, one could ever work at in a hotel. I was doing chambermaid's work. I was cleaning toilets. I was, became a barman, a waiter, a chef, knowing how to tap old beer barrels. I was learning everything. But I think I realized that it was too dangerous, probably psychologically, to resign myself to not allowing my inability to rely on my credentials because I didn't have any. Mm. So the coping mechanism was exactly that. It was showing me how to not just cope and deal with the difficulties of which myself and I find out other people have found themselves in situations, but you overcome difficulties by natural ability. What you then become contagious with is enthusiasm. Yes. I, I love the fact that you cleaned toilets and, and bar hopped and did all the stuff. And I, I share your background uh, in a certain sense. I was a busboy, a waiter, a maitre d', a dishwasher. Working in a restaurant in hospitality when you're dealing with people is a real-life lesson, boy. And part of the coping mechanism, uh, Jordan, is that you're either realizing that you're going to spend the rest of your life being miserable or you're going to start to get yourself uh, intentionally capable of doing something. Or your background is going to get the better of you, and you'll spend the rest of your life being bloody miserable. And this is why I think the natural coping mechanism really w takes One over. more thing about you, um, based on what you're telling us. It seems as though people around you, your family particularly, they had low expectations. They didn't give you much credit early on and didn't expect right. you to amount to much. Is part of the, the coping the idea that uh, I want to outpace and outprove and, yes. and win one for me? Exactly. It becomes like a sort of a winning formula. Mm -hmm. And I think it's built into our society as a species that the coping mechanism has a force built into our ability to overcome difficulties. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. And I think it's, it's, it's spread around all different people in different societies all over the world. It also became very much part of how my own family, my siblings, they all developed their own different versions of our own coping mechanisms. Some haven't actually turned out to be the best of conditions. I'm not suggesting that coping mechanism is going to make you feel good for the rest of your life. It could actually have the opposite effect. My brother, who knows other than a coping mechanism, when I asked him and spoke to him the last time about nine years ago or ten years ago, um, which was the last time I spoke to him, why he wouldn't want to have children. And he said to me bluntly, and this is probably the last thing he and I talked about, was that he was terrified when he was a child. So the experience I was having mm. in being terrified as a youngster seemed to have the, the similar uh, survival or coping ability built into both my two sisters and my, my brother. So my brother hasn't spoken to anybody. That's his way of coping right. with his initial fear. 
We have a lot to cover and uh, a lot of exciting material, and much of it is already what we're wetting the appetites of the audience with, this idea of overcoming and dealing with challenge and coping. But uh, I can't wait to strap on the seatbelt and do this with you. It goes back also to my mother. I, I look back on this coping mechanism and how I've been able to build a very sophisticated business model around what is nature's ability to show us how we can survive and overcome difficulties. But I've realized that you can extend that coping mechanism to unknown situations, which makes it very, very exciting because then it's worth investing in right. an organization that hires someone who's been able to put their coping mechanism to work. Here's an example. The owner of Tesla, Elon Musk, perfect example. Steve Jobs, Richard Branson, they've all had trials and tribulations to deal with and cope with and have extended themselves by virtue of the natural extension that is also part of that coping mechanism. My mother's a good example. When my grandparents all lived in India and um, my grandparents moved back to live in Glasgow because my grandfather, whose name was Ambrose Lethbridge, was very much a kind of, I call him a classroom ecclesiastical snob. <laughs> Even with the name Ambrose Lethbridge has a sort of a trials and tribulations built into the name. Yes. And he was like that. He became dean of Glasgow Cathedral and my mother's the only daughter. And for what I got, I didn't really get to know what was going on between my mother and her parents. But they didn't get on very well with her, whether they didn't like her, whether they, she was an inconvenience, maybe they didn't plan for her birth. I've no idea. And so she was kind of putting up with that. But to overcome just tolerating or putting up with that particular sequence of events, she made her own particular intention part of her reality. Mm. This is her coping mechanism. Well, we'll talk more about this in yeah. future episodes. Yeah. You've got quite a life story that uh, we could fill up 10 volumes with. Uh, we'll share other tidbits of your life, but a lot of really cool stuff when it comes to the language for leading. Thank you. The conversation continues on the Language for Leading podcast with Julian Sturt, available on all podcast platforms. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review the show, and tell your friends and colleagues about it. The Language for Leading podcast, impactful conversation about fundamental principles that will grow your business and change your life for the better.